Good morning, church. Uh, we, we're going to do a little bit of multitasking this morning. So we're going to mix our 30 or so seconds of meet, greet, hug, love on somebody with, with some singing. So we're going to see if we could kill two birds with one stone. Um, but let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. So while we sing this song, I mean, you feel free to go around, meet somebody, hug on someone. I'm just going to keep on singing and singing and singing. And then we make our way back to our seats and we'll see how we can land that plane. Uh, this is either going to be something really fun, really good, uh, or the elders are going to uh, have a, a conversation with me after service. <laughs> one more time, one more time, he has allowed us to be together. One more time, one more time, one more time, he has allowed us to be together. One more to pray together, one more to pray together, one more time, he has allowed us to pray together one more to pray together one more to pray together one more time he has allowed us to pray together one more to love each other one more to love each other one more time he has allowed us to love each other one more to love each other one more we gotta love each other one more time he has allowed us to love each other one more to preach the gospel one more to preach the gospel one more time he has allowed us to preach the gospel one more to preach the gospel one more to preach the gospel one more time he has allowed us to preach the gospel one more to be together one more to be together one more time he has allowed us to be together one more singing one more time one more to be together one more time he has allowed us to be together one more time i keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again i keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again he gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by oh what a love between my lord and i i keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again he keeps cleansing me over and over and over and over and over again he keeps cleansing me over and over and over and over and over don't you know that he gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by i'm singing oh what a love between my lord and i keep falling in love with him over 
and over and over and over again. He keeps blessing me over and over and over and over and over again. He keeps blessing me over and over and over and over and over again. He gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Oh, what a love between my Lord and I. I keep falling in love with Him over and over and over. And over again, you know that I keep falling in love. Over and over, over and over again. I keep falling in love with Him. Over and over and over and over. Don't sweeter and sweeter as the day. I'm singing, oh, what a love between my Lord and I. I keep falling in love with Him over and over and over and over As the mountains surround So the Lord is people, mountains surround
Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10 would read like this in the New King James Version. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that he might take it away from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Church, would you help me just turn to the person next to you and utter these words? Thank God for grace. Thank God for grace. You may have your seats. You may have your seats. For the next few minutes, I just want to encourage us really quickly from this topic. Thank God for grace. Have you ever experienced something for the very first time that maybe you have never really paid attention to before, but no sooner did you come to the reality of this thing, no sooner was this thing made aware to you, all of a sudden you would look around and you would see this thing everywhere. Uh, for me, you know, I, I, I think, for example, of shapes. Uh, uh, when I was growing up, I remember uh, some of the earliest memories I had about uh, my grandparents teaching me shapes and squares and circles and triangles, etc. And no sooner did I come to recognize shapes, I began to see shapes everywhere. Uh, if, if you are in uh, to home uh, decoration and, 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 and refurbishment and that kind of stuff, it, you know, when you think about the kitchen, for example, you call it the triangle in the kitchen where you have your sink, possibly your stove, and your refrigerator. That's the triangle at, uh, aspect of things. And, and so I think about shapes, and when I, when I think about shapes, I began to see shapes everywhere. Uh, and then as, 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 I, as I was growing up, my, my grandmother, uh, she kind of did a really good job trying to help me understand the difference between love and hate. And she, she would say, you know, in as much as you would look around and you would see uh, hate and evil everywhere, the truth is, if you just look, uh, for every time you see evil, for every time you see hate, the truth is, if you look, you will see love as well. You will see goodness as well. And, and so really, you know, I, I, I don't know about you, but I began to become... Then I, I began to experience uh, really the, the complexities and sometimes the tragedy that life would throw at us. And, uh, and I didn't grow up in a, a household with mother and father under the same roof. Uh, I didn't have that privilege. And, and so I, I grew up having to navigate that. And, uh, and I didn't grow up having a bunch of friends, even though I hung out with a, a lot of people. Being with a lot of people and having a lot of friends is two totally different things. 
And people would be mean to you sometimes. And, and you go through things even from a young age. And I began to think that there was nothing good about life. And she had to sit me down one day. And she had to, said for, she had to say to me, as much as you would see evil everywhere, the truth is, if you look around a little bit closer, you would see good. You would see God everywhere. And so have you ever been in a situation where, again, your eyes have been opened to certain things and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, because your eyes have been opened to it, now you see it everywhere. The truth is that could be a good thing and sometimes that could be a bad thing. Because sometimes you, you realize as you look at this from, from this perspective as well, you, you might very well recognize that there are some characteristical traits in people that you may not have been observant of before. But as soon as you begin to observe it, you realize that there are some negative traits as well as some positive traits that people might have. I'm just trying to help us to see that when our eyes have been opened to certain patterns, when our eyes have been opened to certain things, sometimes it's easy now to see that thing everywhere. These revelations come in our lives at key moments and become core to us uh, and they are often associated with some strong emotional and traumatic event. Uh, I have to say however that not all traumatic events leaves us with negative traumatic responses. The key however for us as Christians and believers in Jesus Christ is to be able to look into and through the trauma with divine eyes of heavenly perspective. In other words, when we're looking at the traumas of life, through the tra uh, here is what that does. When, when we peer through the traumatic aspects of our lives, then those traumatic events become triggers that allow us to see truth behind the trauma. In other words, when we're dealing with traumatic events of various sorts, oftentimes when those triggers come, it, it, it pushes us into a place of depression and anxiety. It pushes, it pushes us into a dark place, a dark hole, a dark spot. But when we approach the trauma, when we approach the difficulty with divine eyes of heavenly perspective, when the triggers come, it doesn't plunge me into a deep hole, but when the triggers come, it, it alerts me to the truth behind the trauma. And so when we begin to expose ourselves to certain things, we begin to see those things everywhere. Well, Paul had such an experience in his life that led him to see grace everywhere he looked. When you think about the Apostle Paul, I want to do this really quickly. And so I'm, I'm going to try and rush through this, all right? I want to do this really quickly. When you think about the Apostle Paul, no other writer in all of the Bible, Genesis through Revelation, no other writer spends a lot of his time exposing the truth and the beauty about grace like Paul. Paul will expose grace for not just the concept or the idea of unmerited. It is the concept of God giving to us that which we do not deserve. That's just one side, one shade, one aspect of grace. What Paul does in his writings and his, in his theology is he exposes us to every single shade and every single aspect of grace that there is. So Paul, as he, as he recognizes grace, he now is able to look in every situation, to look at 
every situation, to look everywhere in his life, past, present, and future, Paul sees grace everywhere. If ever there was a conspiracy theorist in scripture, it would have had to be Paul because Paul sees the conspiracy of grace in everything that God does. If ever there was somebody to purport the same thing over and over, no matter what the circumstance. Have you ever been in those situations where you've met those people that they just repeat the same thing over and over? It doesn't matter what the season is. It doesn't matter what the situation is. They just continue to repeat the same thing over and over and over and over again. That was Paul. Paul says, when I look at life and I look at the situations that the devil throw at me, I want you to see grace everywhere. So the traumatic event that Paul encounters, uh, you remember in the book of Acts chapter number 9, Paul is making his way to Damascus. And as he is making his way to Damascus, he is going to Damascus to find individuals who are called people of the way. He is going to Damascus to get these so-called Christians. He wants to drag them all the way back to Jerusalem and his whole point and purpose is to do one of three things. Either number one, he wants to get them to denounce the faith that they have in Christ. Number two, he wants to put them in shackles and place them in prison. Or number three, he would have done what he would have uh, sanctioned in chapter seven in the stoning of Stephen. So it's either he gets these individuals who are Christ followers to denounce their faith. I no longer believe that Jesus is the Christ or whatever, denounce their faith. Or he, he casts them into prison, shackled up and, uh, and that type of stuff. Or he just takes their life. Either way, Paul's desire is I'm going to Damascus to drag these people back. And I will pers persecute them and prosecute them by the fullest extent of the law. While on Damascus Road, we, the scripture tells us that he is overshadowed by this bright light. And, and as he's overshadowed by this bright light, he has the wherewithal to, to ask the question, who are you, Lord? And the Lord will reveal himself in the brightness of the light to say unto Paul, I am Jesus whom you crucified. Now here's the problem. Right there and right there, Paul recognizes that he, he has a problem because as a Pharisee of Pharisees, which Paul acclaims himself to be, as a Pharisee of Pharisees, Paul was running down these Christians believing that they were blasphemers. And according to the law, you know what the law said about blasphemers? A blasphemer had to be taken outside of the city gates and to be stoned. So case in point, when they stoned Stephen, they stoned Stephen because of blasphemy, even though I know the scripture says that they were angry at him, but they stoned Stephen as a blasphemer, but they did it according to the law. So when Paul was going against the Christians, he was going against the Christians thinking that they were blasphemers. And blasphemers deserve death by stoning according to the law. When Paul encounters Jesus in that Damascus Road moment, he comes face to face with the fact that the I have become the thing I am chasing down. The people I, I, I'm going after, I have now find myself in that same category. I, I deemed them sinners. I deemed them blasphemers. I deemed them no good. But as Paul came face to face with Jesus, he recognized that he was in the same boat. I need for you to appreciate this. So when, when Paul was persecuting the Christians, calling them blasphemers, the only thing the law dictated that they were to suffer was death. So when Paul encounters Christ on Damascus Road, and he now realizes that I myself am a blasphemer, guess what he deserved according to the law? 
You guys with me? What did Paul deserve according to the law? Death. But in as much as he deserved death, the scripture tells us that he didn't die on Damascus Road. So this was a traumatic event for Paul because all of a sudden, when I should have died, something was bestowed upon me. All of a sudden, when I should have closed my eyes physically and I should have taken my last breath, all of a sudden, when life should have been taken from me as a blasphemer, I have met with the Lord, I have met with the Savior, I have met with God Almighty, and he did not kill me, but he gave me purpose. He gave me life. He gave me a second chance. So this was Jesus extending mercy. This was Jesus extending forgiveness. Watch it now. This was Jesus extending grace. So when Paul looks back in the annals of his mind and in his own history, this Damascus Road event, Acts chapter number 9, becomes his core experience with grace. When I was supposed to die, Christ gave me life. Whereas I was supposed to be condemned, he acquitted me. I want you to see this. Whereas I was supposed to be worthy of death, he gave me life and purpose. So when Paul looks back in his life, he always goes back to the Damascus Road experience. And that experience would be the birthplace of his entire experience with grace. Have you ever experienced something so powerful that even though it happened just that one time, that became the root thing of your entire being? Have you ever encountered somebody and even though you only encountered them but one time, that person became a core person and reality in all of your existence thereafter? The point is this, when Paul encountered Christ, he encountered grace. And when he encountered grace, he began to see grace everywhere and through everyone. So here's what Paul does, here's what Paul does, uh, in, in case I, I lost some of you. So Paul, Paul's experience with grace becomes that thing that not only turned him around, but it became that point where Paul would always go back to to see the goodness of God. Watch it, watch it, watch it. So Paul's encounter with Christ put life into perspective for him. Repeat that one more time. Paul's encounter with Christ put life into perspective for him. Paul may have had a lot of questions about a lot of things that he would have gone through in his life, but when he encountered Christ, Christ became the thing that offered Paul newfound and deep perspective in life. This encounter, this revelation would not leave him the same. But it's because of this encounter that his eyes were now open to see Jesus and grace. He would see Jesus and grace. It was this encounter that Paul had would allow him from that point onward to see Jesus and grace everywhere and through everything. 
So in Romans chapter 3, let me do this really quickly and the message will be yours. In Romans chapter 3 and verse number 23, that's where we find Paul making the declarative statement for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But then he goes on to verse number 24 and he says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is through Christ Jesus. He says, listen, I know that all have sinned, but grace has done something to me even in the midst of my sin. So I know I deserve death, Romans 6 and verse 23, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He says grace, as I see grace everywhere, I want you to see that grace is what justifies you. Could, you, could I see the hands of all the people here that have sin in their life? In spite of the sin that we have, now watch this, grace, is what God bestows upon us to justify us from our sin. And I know what we've said in the past, justification is just as if you've never done it. There's a, there's a sense of which that is true. But the idea of justification is that, is that you have done it. And yet still, even though you have done it, I am not putting it to your account or your credit as if you are one that is going to die. So you are guilty of it. But grace says, I'm going to justify you. It's not as if you've never, no, you did it. That's the point. You and I have sinned. You and I do still sin. You and I still sin. That's true and evident until Christ returns or until we take our last breath. There is never going to be a point. And when I say sin, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the difference here between uh, living a life of sin, being willfully, living, sin, sinning willfully, and just committing various acts that run contrary to the will, heart, and mind of God. The truth is this. While we may not find ourselves living a life actively of sin, somewhere, form, or fashion along the road in life, you and I still fall prey to sin. In other words... We are sinners, but not lifestyle sinners. Does that make sense? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So it's not as if we had not sinned, but grace justifies or acquits us of our sins. But then when Paul talks about grace, he would continue talking about grace throughout chapter 4 and chapter 5 of the book of Romans. And he gets to chapter number 6 where he says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. In other words, not because we have grace that is extended to us in our sinful state means that we ought to continue living a life full of sin so that grace could always meet us in our sin. No, no, no. It's not an excuse to sin, but it's a remedy for it. So not only is the grace the thing that justifies us, but here it is, here it is. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. And you had he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world. Watch it. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation, our manner of living in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God who is rich in mercy 
for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in our sins had made us alive together with Christ and then he says the words or he pens the words for by grace are you saved and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ that in all ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ for by grace you have been saved not of works lest any man should boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. while it justifies us grace also saves us it's not because of our works that we are afforded and accounted as righteous it's because of the grace of almighty God through the person of Jesus Christ I'm going to wrap this up here soon watch this in in first Corinthians chapter 15 verses 9 and 10 here is what Paul would say for I am least of the apostles and I am not even fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But then in verse number 10, he would say, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul says, I know what I did. Paul says, I know what I deserve. Paul says, I know the hurt I have caused. Paul says, I know that I did not deserve it. So, so my status as an apostle was, what, was not one that I earned to be here. But he says, I want you to see this as he's writing to the Corinthian brethren. He says, it's only because of grace I am where I am right now. It's only because of grace I'm writing to you. It's only because of grace I'm breathing. It's only because of grace I have this assignment. If I were God, I wouldn't have chosen me to be an apostle. That's what Paul is saying. But he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Church, by the grace of God, we have what we have. How many of us have families that we love? How many of us have kids that we love? How many of us have spouses that we love? Raise your hand, spouses. Every spouse, raise your hand. How many, how many of us have, you know what I'm saying? Everything that we have, with the jobs that we have, the, the homes that we have, the, the luxuries we enjoy, the truth be told, we don't deserve it, but the grace of God affords us the opportunity to have it. By the grace of God, I am what I am. I, I'm not here because I deserve to be a preacher. I'm only here because of the grace of God, JP. If you knew me years ago, you wouldn't even want me to preach here. But it's the grace and the goodness of God that has me here. You see where I'm going with this? It's the grace of God that makes all the difference in the world. And so he says, I am, I'm, I'm thankful. Say, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for grace. But let me close it right here. Let me close it right here. So Paul comes back into the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And he is pleading to God for this thing that is just troubling him. He's pleading to God for this thing. And all he calls it is a thorn in the side. Many historians and theologians have speculated the best that they could as to what that thorn would be. But whatever it is, it's this thing that Paul could not shake. Whatever it is, it's this thing that was ever with Paul. Maybe it was a physical trait or an emotional trait or a mental trait or something. But, but whatever it is, it's something that remained with him for an extended period of time. And Paul says, I know I could have done more with my ministry. That's what he's praying, right? That's what he's saying. 
remove it because if you remove it God I know I could do so much more but he but God says to him Paul 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 hold on I want you to understand that my grace is sufficient for you I know you want to remove the limitation I know you want to remove the governor but I want you to walk not in your strength I want you to walk in mind so he says my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness God is saying I will get my glory through your limitation don't miss it I will get my glory through your pain I will get my glory through your governance because it's not by your strength I'll receive my glory it's by your submission so God says to Paul my grace is sufficient whatever trouble you are going through that just no matter all the prayers no matter all the therapy no matter what it is you feel like you just can't get past it God is saying to Paul and he's saying to us my grace is sufficient if we would only have spiritual eyes of heavenly perspective to peer through the trauma and see the truth behind the trauma we would do like Paul and see God everywhere and in every situation I know the thing hurt back then I know what it looked like back then I know what it feels like now but if you would look past the trauma if you would look past the pain if you would look past the anxiety if you would look past the depression and you would see truth you would see God working things all together for his good because that's the grace and the goodness of God church we serve a powerful God amen we serve an, we serve an awesome God amen could you stand with me let me bring this to a close watch this watch this watch this when, when I was growing up, I played, I played soccer, football, real, 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 real football. This is, see, see, I'll, I'll walk you up, I'll walk you up. My coach said this, this, this is going to sound crazy to you, but I didn't understand this until I got older. I hated to lose. You may not believe that, but I hated to lose. And so I would train really hard to be the best position I would play at. And very often, I didn't lose very often. But my coach came to me one day, we were just winning, we were winning, 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 winning. And my coach came to me one day, I was, I, was, I was captaining the team, and my coach came to me and he said, listen, I want you to understand something, Patterson. He was like a father figure to me. He said, I want you to understand something, Skip. He said, you would learn more in your losses than in your victories and he wasn't talking football at that point he was talking life he said we learn more in our losses and in our hang-ups and in our limitations than in our victories what are you saying coach that sounds crazy no 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 because if you keep on winning you never really experience some losses and you realize you can't do it by yourself that you have to learn to depend on other people as well in this thing called life we recognize we can't do it by ourselves and God says I need for you to take some L's so that you could learn to lean on me 
I wish I had somebody to say amen to that. God, God says you have to experience some pain so you could truly understand peace. You have to go through some things in this life so you could yearn and desire for the promise of the life that is to come. My grace, he says to Paul, my grace, he is saying to you, is sufficient. So look to the person next to you one more time and preach this text with me one more time. Utter the words, thank God. Thank God. Say it like you mean it. Preach it to them. Say, thank God. JP is all you. Say, thank God for his grace.